just play it like you're really going for it. Smart Start MN Studios episode, what are we at, 45 now? 45. Okay, settle down, guy. We're not, uh, until they start writing checks, you're not ever singing that jingle Sorry. again. Minnesota music from Rex Daisy as we kick off episode 45 of the Brian Oak Show. I love that song so much. You know how I always say you don't get to pick what you love, you know? Rex Daisy have a bunch of other great songs, but that one right there, it like literally puts the needle in the back of my head like I'm Neo in the Matrix. I love it so, so, so very much. And like I said earlier, I'm pretty sure I saw them at Mill City Music Festival. We'll have to ask our uh, mutual friend, G.R. Anderson, if that actually happened. Right. I just uh, drank and dreamed it. Well, you're sober these days, but I, yes. I I was present back in the day when I've uh, I know that you had a couple every once in a while, so you may have bit, just dreamed it a little bit. You know, you have a mask around your neck. I'm wearing a red bandana around my neck as we live in this bizarre new age. Just because I'm trying to improvise a mask, I have a friend mailing me masks in a few days because I guess the worst is still out in front of us, which is hard to imagine. But unfortunately, when I pull the mask down to talk. I look like I'm one of those guys who's like on a nature survival show or a, <laughs> like I, like my, my my name was Creek or Willow or something like that. Oh, and, uh, not, not far off. Yeah, look, man, I didn't get to pick that, all right? The parents <laughs> didn't get a choice on that one. That's my actual last name. But what if my name was like Willow Oak? So it's not Oak and Jansky and then they changed it when they... No, Came to the states. Okay. No, it, right. and what's weird is I'm like 88 percent Irish, but I ended up with the English last name. In fact, there's a small town in the very southern tip of England called Oak in the county of Somerset, and I expect one day to visit there before I die and to be welcome home like a returning conquering king. <laughs> <laughs> He's here! <laughs> Finally! He has returned! I am Brian Oak. That is Sean Bernard. These are the Smart Start MN Studios, and this is episode 45 of the Brian Oak Show. Today's guest, I can't actually believe she agreed to join <laughs> us, and I'll tell you more about her in just a moment. First, though, you know, we've been doing this series called Checking In because everyone is locked down, and everyone is... You know, sheltering at home. And this is the right thing to do. People are dying. The numbers are still growing. We may be just starting to flatten the curve. But if we don't take this seriously and if we aren't responsible, we are, for lack of a better, more family-friendly term, fucked. So we have to do the right thing. Sean and I showing up in the same small room together, which is almost like a sauna. By the way, would you pour some more water on the rocks over there? I will. Uh, Thank you. And also... Tighten your towel up a little bit. I'm not really, I'm not really into that whole Scandinavian completely naked in the sauna thing. That's, uh, that's uncomfortable for me. You ever gone to a clothing optional beach? Uh, I have. What did you opt for? I clothed. Me too. If it's optional, I get to choose. Yeah. And again, I'm not really, not really looking to hang it all out there. It's mostly the really, really old guys that are just all about oh. being really naked. Yeah. And yeah, it, <sighs> I saw one of them pick up a peanut. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. You know, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know, no. 
<laughs> there you go. What, what I what I like about life is when you don't see something coming yeah. and it completely blindsides you, unless it's a semi truck, in which case you don't want that. <laughs> Here's what I think we should do. Let's go ahead and get right to our guest because our guest today is an Emmy award winning broadcaster, a highly noted journalist, a, a sculptor. And an equestrian, I am so excited to talk to Kathy Werzer, who has decided to be our guest. You probably know her best as one of the co-hosts of Almanac for many, many years on TPT2, which for those of you who live out of state is the local public television station. But if you do live in town or maybe you listen on the Internet, she's also the regional host of Morning Edition on NPR News. And she is warm and lovely and delightful. And we're going to talk to her head just ahead here and also thank a couple of our sponsors. But first, I want to hear some more Minnesota music. Going back and hearing Rex Daisy kind of fired me up. I want to go back to a 1988 record by Soul Asylum. Now, Soul Asylum rode the wave of alternative success in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Massive, massive hits. But right before that happened, they put out what I think is their very, very best record. I saw an album called Hang Time, and this this might be my very favorite Soul Asylum song. It's called Sometime to Return. Thanks for tuning in to The Brian Oak Show.
Mm, a little soul asylum right there. Saddle up your salamander. Listen, Perner, I know I know that you're a clever lyricist, but what does that even mean? Doesn't matter. Still one of the greatest songs you've ever written and one of the greatest songs out of the 80s from Minnesota, which is no small feat when you consider Suburbs Love is the Law, Husker Du's Zen Arcade, uh, replacements, let it be, all the amazing records that came out of here in the 80s. But as the 80s started to slowly morph into the 90s, things were changing. And, you know, Husker Du was gone, and Prince was becoming a different dude. And Soul Asylum was really, they were the ones who blossomed from the 80s into the 90s and survived that transition better than almost anybody. They sure did. I remember uh, seeing uh, Dave Perner and Winona Ryder at uh, Uptown Bar. What? Yeah, they rolled into the Uptown Bar when they were dating. What was great about it is nobody went over and hassled them. Yeah. They just kind of let them hang out and watch the band, and it was like, oh, they're 10 feet away, and I just thought I just thought it was great that nobody hassled them. The two greatest things that ever happened to me at the Uptown Bar back in its heyday was the uh, Euros Breakfast Skillet. Bloody um, Mary. I've never been a Bloody Mary guy, oh, but, but so good there. But the Euros meat was piled wildly high. The hash browns were actually perfect, and the place, even if you had to wait twenty minutes, it was always great. The other thing is, in nineteen ninety four, before anyone even had heard their name in America, I saw Oasis perform live at the oh Uptown Bar. That's unreal. Uh, Hey, it's the Brian Oak Show, and it's made possible by Smart Start MN. We'll talk more about them in just a little bit. Earlier today, I swung by Busters on 28th, the newest sponsor of the Brian Oak Show, and got some gift cards because we're going to start handing out gift cards, aren't we? We are to the uh, Patreon members. We're going to randomly, there's a thing called Random Number Generator online, Mm -hmm. and we're going to pick... Uh, different Patreon members that will receive a $50 gift card to Busters. Absolutely. And if you don't live in Minnesota or in the Southeast Minneapolis area, well, maybe you have friends who do. Or maybe you can have it airmailed. I don't know if they do that sort of thing. I'm guessing that. Makes a great stocking stuffer. It's the thing I always say about Sean, too. Hmm. Uh, anyway, we will do that later. And if you're not sure we're talking about with Patreon, go to patreon.com, Brian Oak Show. You'll find that you can support this show on the regular for even just a few dollars. You can go at the VIP level. We are going to get back to the Patreon live events. But Buster's has incredible food. John came out with his purple gloves and handed me these, so I'm assuming they're relatively... Fresh. Clean. Yeah, they're clean. Okay. Ish. Okay. Well, for sure, by the time you get yours, if it happens to you, the coronavirus will have died. I don't mean to make light of it, by the way, because these are weird, dark, scary times. I'm Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. And it's time to talk to today's guest. As I mentioned before, she is an Emmy award-winning broadcaster. She is one of the most respected journalists in Minnesota. She is a, I think I'm safe in saying an equestrian. Uh, But my favorite thing about today's guest is that she is, you know, I did a little broadcasting myself, Sean, as I know you have, (laughs) but in more than 25 years of doing it, you start to sense certain things. You can tell when someone's smiling. You can tell when someone's actually warm. You can, you can divide between artifice and reality. At least uh, that's what I've come to believe over more than half my life's experience doing it. And I find her to be one of the warmest and most comforting presences on Twin Cities Radio. She's also the co-host of Almanac on TPT2, which, again, for those of you who live out of state, is our public television station. She is one of the reasons that Minnesota media is better than it otherwise might be. She informs us, which in turn, with how we're informed, helps inform who we become. I'm... 
wildly honored and mildly surprised that she agreed to be on the Brian Oak Show. <laughs> Kathy Wurzer, <laughs> Kathy Wurzer is our guest. How are you, Kathy? I am great. I'm, I'm alternately crying and laughing. I mean, I'm, I'm crying. I just, that was such a sweet introduction, Brian. Well, That's it, so sweet. Thank you so much. It's also true, though, Kathy. I mean, you are, you're an institution. And I, I, now I hate to say that to you because it makes I you sound. I should be in an institution, really, is what yeah. I should be. I should be in one instead of <laughs> called an institution. Now, I mean, all I, the stuff I've done in my career, my God. So much. Oh. and But you continue to do it. You've always done it at a higher level. But to me, my favorite thing about you you're obviously articulate you are fiercely intelligent but it is it is right there what you just did your warmth and your smile and your decency and your sense of humor and your ability to adapt in the situation it's why i generally not generally genuinely respect who you are and what you've done for so many years because it a lot of our peers who have done this for so long they get jaded or they take it for granted and i've never once gotten that sense oh, yeah. from you and it's um how is it still interesting to you to do the things that you do oh my gosh yes oh i mean it's like a it's like a uh well, like a, it's like a smorgasbord every day right i mean you can't get bored doing the news uh, especially now, well. but yeah, I, I still, I'm still, I'm still jazzed by it. I'm really tired. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm, and let, let's know. talk about that. Doing, doing, well, doing morning edition, the regional portion of morning edition uh, on NPR. Now I'm a guy who I, you know, I worked one floor directly above you every day for over true. three years. And in that time, what's weird is when you work on the same shift, I maybe saw you in that building five times in three exactly, years. Exactly, right? I would kind of slog up the stairs, and I would see you guys, yeah. and I may wave because I, I was going upstairs to get another Diet Mountain Dew, like one of like eight or something that morning. And you, yeah, there you guys were doing your thing. I thought, God, that looks like so much fun. Well, it and was, then I kind of slog back downstairs into the newsroom and, it was and talk about death and destruction. But I, no, but, I, but I know that you love what you do, but I mean, I, I, I somehow I believe that with the preparation involved in doing a news program as opposed to what Jill and I were doing on the Currents Morning Show, I feel like you had to be up earlier than we had to be up, and I had to be up at, at a hideous, ungodly hour. So when you talk <laughs> about being tired, I mean, what what time... What? So I had nine alarms set on my phone just because I would routinely right. snooze three or four of them. What is your routine? Like, what time are you up in the morning to do Morning Edition on NPR? Two. Two oh, is my, no, is my no. I know it, right? Exactly. <laughs> no. And really, really, here's the thing. Here's the secret about me is that I'm really a night person, right? I do my best work at night. So really, this is, this, this gig has really screwed me up in terms of physically. Um, but I, so I get up at two o'clock and then I attempt to wake up, but all that time I'm doing surfing news websites and I'm reading papers and I'm listening to the BBC and I'm trying to get my act together. And then I scream into work and just start, <laughs> just start going right then and there. So I'm about, I was trying to think, when did we run into each other like in the garage or something? Cause I usually I started about a quarter to four or four. It depends on how late I am. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I, it goes back and forth. Like if you're, if you're at a quarter to four, I am maybe lucky to be awake at that point. So, I mean, we have run it. Oh. I feel like it's probably, on the way out of work, we've run into the garage, would, would be my guess. Um, here's what I like about it, though, is 
you know, that that kind of schedule is grueling and punishing. And so unless you love what you do, unless you are beyond an enthusiast, unless you're truly committed, you know, a zealot, not in a political way, not in a religious way, a zealot in a this is the only thing I've ever wanted to do, plus I'm really super good at it way, that's the kind of schedule that will break someone. How long have you been hosting Morning Edition at Minnesota Public oh, Radio? Oh, God. You know, I, I left CCO TV in... 2001 to take morning edition. Okay. And how long, so, have you, how long have you been at WCCO prior to that? If you don't mind my, I'm not, I'm not trying to let people triangulate your age. I'm just curious about oh, whatever. Okay. At this point, same. it doesn't matter. Same, um, you know, same. Uh, it was, uh, I was there for several years. I okay. was there during the Shelby years and had a great time with that crew. So I dabbled in, commercial radio and TV and commercial and public radio and public TV. So I've done all kinds of different things, but yeah, so I, so I, I took the helm of morning edition in 01, 2001. So that's why I'm so damn tired. I mean, it's, you know, it's been how many years getting up really early, I guess, but there's still, you're right. So, I mean, thank you for saying that there is still a lot of juice for me doing this. I, and I love radio. I, remember, I love, love radio. Uh, Sean, Sean, by the way, hello, Sean. Hello. I how are you? Hello to Sean. Great. I've never met you. You no. and I should probably meet someday, for God's sakes. And by the way, are you two in some small studio? Are you are you socially distanced? We are. A, we I mean, we I, had a tape measure out the other day, and we are like six feet apart. Exactly. It's pretty close. It's it's, yeah. it's probably like five and a half. But I'm trying to I'm trying to send my droplets the other direction. Look, I actually I don't Please. I don't I don't leave the house in all sincerity unless it is to get. Uh, Irish whiskey or to do this podcast and we live in this day and age where like Sean's a known quantity to me I'm willing to take the risk but I also am scrubbing down constantly and using the hand sanitizer heavy duty soap and water I really am doing best practices so we are in a small studio right now where we routinely clean the mics and do that kind of stuff We're we're doing everything that is reasonably possible but here's the deal I and I asked that question. I, mean, I asked the question because you know I'm I'm worried about you guys, and you know now at work, uh, I I scrub down the entire studio, mic, pop screen, everything, mm-hmm. everything, 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 and then now my producers are wearing masks. Well, I, I was going to ask because like, it's very different oh. on the fourth floor there, or pardon me, on the third floor where news goes on, as opposed to the current up on the fourth floor. It, it, it there are multiple producers in your room with you. I'm just I'm like so they're still in there, but everyone's wearing masks and gloves and being safe and doing yep. the right thing. Yep, exactly. Okay, yeah, very good. That's, that's how we run down there. Yeah. Well, yep. so you know, I just wanted to say hello to Sean. You yeah, know, and, thank and, you, Kathy. And thank him for letting me be on your podcast. <laughs> well, and I want to say thank you for actually joining us. I still can't quite believe we're talking to Kathy <laughs> Worser from NPR News's Morning Edition and Almanac. You know. Oh, there's too much to talk about. You know what I like to do? I would like to get some music in, and then I'd like to come back because oh. I, have, I have so many questions. But music really is the central part of this. But it doesn't have to be with musicians. It doesn't have to be with people who know anything about music. I know precious little about music, Good. despite my career, which is fine. Perfect. But that's great. But I know that most people I know that have a heart and feel and laugh and cry and smile and sing and do all the things, there are songs that mean something to them. And so when I asked you, what's the first song you want to 
play. You know, here we are in an era of pandemic, right? I mean, things are, they've looked better. They have looked better. Uh, but you chose, well, actually, like a song that I love, love dearly, but I just given the smiley nature of who you are, and I, and I don't mean that you're a Pollyanna, I just mean that you are bright and you stay positive, but you decided our first song was going to be Johnny Cash's Long Black Veil. Why'd you go with this one? Did you kill, did you kill somebody? Oh, well, I've often, I've, I've, there are many people on my list that could actually, uh, wouldn't, uh, like to take aim at, but, um, I really, of course I love Johnny Cash and I grew up with Johnny Cash. My dad was a huge country music fan and he played Johnny Cash's, um, live at Folsom prison until it, the needle practically was embedded in that, in that LP. And then I inherited that LP uh, when he died. Wow. So uh, I grew up with Johnny and the Statler brothers and Buck Owens and all that. And uh, Long Black Veil is just such a poignant song. And of course, you know, Johnny was just a great singer songwriter. And yeah, I just, in that particular version that he sang Long Black Veil at Folsom was, it's just, it's lovely. Yeah. So I picked that one. You're right. It is kind of dark, but I like it. Well, but I, I look, if you've ever listened to my show or seen my Facebook posts, I'm not afraid of the darkness. Oh, yeah. uh, oh honey. Yeah. More Kathy Wurzer just ahead on the Brian Oak Show. Ten years ago, on a cold, dark night, someone was killed. Neath the town hall lights There were few at the scene But they all agreed That the slayer who ran Looked a lot like me Now she walks these hills In a long black veil She visits my grave when the night winds wave Nobody knows Nobody sees Nobody knows but me The scaffold was high And eternity near She stood in a crowd Shed not a tear But sometimes at night When the cold wind moans In a long black veil She cries o'er my bones She walks these hills In a long black veil She visits my grave When the night winds wave Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. The judge said, son, what is your alibi? If you were somewhere else, then you won't have to die. I spoke not a word. Though it meant my life I'd been in the arms Of my best friend's wife 
she walks these hills in a long black veil. She visits my grave when the night winds wave. Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. Nobody knows, nobody sees, nobody knows but me. Easily a top five American singer-songwriter of all time. Um, oh, yeah. Whether he's going dark or he's having fun or, you know, flirting and being romantic, which he was capable of all of it, it... Whew. I mean, there are certain artists, and Kathy, I think you'll agree with me. Kathy Werzer, by the way, is our guest, who's won so many Emmy Awards, she's probably bored of winning them now. Um, <laughs> she, it, it, I, I, you probably agree that they're just, they, there are artists, and again, you've interviewed so many people in your career, whether it be on Almanac, on TPT2, whether it be on Morning Edition, on NPR News, that there are certain people who are so good at what they do, they transcend their genre, they transcend their, you know, lane, whatever the case may be. And Johnny Cash is absolutely one of those. I know. I know. Just just a legend. I really wish I could have seen him in concert. I really do. And and, and another favorite is Buck Owens. And mm. I, I remember uh, the last time he was in our area, Buck, I, I know people uh, probably laugh at that, but I really loved uh, Buck's music too. Uh, and I thought uh, the last, the only time I really thought I was going to see Buck, I was going to sneak away. I was at CCO TV and he was at Wii Fest or something like that. And I thought, and I tried so hard to get that weekend off and I couldn't get it off. I thought, oh, I could call in sick. I could go up there. I should see him. And then of course he died like two years after that. I never got to see Buck or Johnny, but oh yeah, guys like that, artists like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, are such a pleasure to listen to. And of course, in my, in my genre of music, I understand it's a little different than most, but um, I'm a big I'm a big country fan. I don't think there's anybody on planet Earth, and if there are, I they can come through me before they talk to you who has any beef with Johnny Cash. And Buck Owens is not nearly as big a name unless you're a deep country fan, in which case he's an absolute staple, and not just for Hee Haw. The, the, the only reason he was on Hee Haw is because he was already a living legend in the world of country music. We're going to talk more to Kathy Werzer in one brief moment, but first... We do have to pay some bills, and let's do that with Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is the original ignition interlock company in Minnesota. What does that mean? You've made a bad choice. Someone in your family has made a bad choice. A distant friend of a friend of a friend has made a bad choice. You drank, and then you drove, and hopefully you didn't hurt yourself or hurt anybody, and you just got arrested, which still is going to be a terrible, terrible time for you. Expensive dramatic, but they can make it remarkably less so by getting you basically an in-car breathalyzer. Does that oversimplify it, Sean? No, that's really what it is. It allows your car to be able to start so you can get to work and take the daycare and do all that stuff. I mean, you know, you still, I mean, I know that we're all locked down right now. So I wonder if this is a zero-sum game for them. Like, fewer people are leaving the house than ever before but people are probably drinking more than ever before is my guess. I'm guessing people run out of liquor at home. 
and they think, I should go get more, and maybe they shouldn't be driving. I feel very seen right now. Anyway, <laughs> um, my, my point is this. These are guys who are not here to judge you. These are not guys who are here to add to your burden. In fact, they're trying to do quite the opposite now. They don't want you to go ahead and be like, oh, more booze, time for driving, because the ignition interlock system actually has a lower, much level, uh, much lower, rather, uh, than the state allows. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the best thing for people to be able to do is just go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show to give you 20% off the ignition interlock. Uh, or you can just go to the uh, click on brianoakshow.com, uh, click on the banner, and that'll take you right there. So that's good for both you, your friend <clears throat> who had uh, made a poor choice, and for the Brian Oak Show, as well as Smart Start MN. So my thanks to them, because they jumped on board before we recorded episode one. This is episode 45, and we are joined by a Minnesota broadcasting, I know she's going to balk at this, but a Minnesota broadcasting legend, because she's been doing this at such a high level for so long, and I'm very honored to have her on the show, Kathy Wurzer. Kathy, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about your early life, if you don't mind, and I'm not trying to go deep, I'm not trying to, never really been like one of those, you know, TMZ. (laughs) Where were you born? Minneapolis, South Minneapolis. I'm a South Sider and very proud of it. And I understand that. And you, I know you went to South for high school. So, I mean, so I did. being a South Sider, how is that different than other areas? I mean, because the number of people we've had from East St. Paul on the show, their level of pride is almost sharks and jets from West Side Story. I mean, <laughs> is, that, is that your level of pride when it comes to being from South Minneapolis? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and I and I don't know why that is. We're just we're just really close knit. At least, you know, we were in in the in the quote old neighborhood there, which would uh, be in the kind of the Longfellow um, Longfellow area all the way up to South. And yeah, it just it was a great place to grow up as a kid. We'd take the twenty one A up Lake Street and uh, hang out. And um, remember Porky's Drive In. Maybe oh yeah, oh, of course. Yep. Do you? Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Oh yeah. So there was a there was a there was a Porky's by South at one time, and of course it's Porky's on University Avenue too, or was anyway. So, um, but you know that was just that was a it was a great time. It was a great place to grow up. So yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, and and proud of being a Tiger from South too. Go Tigers. So, <laughs> you, so you go to South, and I mean, these are good times, and that's a good school. You had good teachers. You lived in a good neighborhood. Then you decide to go to UW River Falls. What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, couldn't um, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry. It, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. I, I love you. I love you anyway. It's, it's good. <laughs> you know, they used to call it Muyu, and um, oh, yeah. for good reason. I mean, it was an agricultural school. It started out as a teacher's college, but uh, it's a really heavy egg, uh, or was a, a good agricultural school. And the U of M was just too big. It was just too big for me. And I thought, oh, God, I'm going to just be one of like a zillion kids. I don't want to do that. So I was looking for uh, much. I was listening, by the way, to your podcast with uh, Tommy Mishke, mm-hmm. which, by the way, he's brilliant. I oh. love PD. One of my love him. I, I put you, oh. but, I, but I put you in the same rarefied air as him. Like now, you're not like each wow. other, but there are people who don't have peers in this industry and in all industries. There are people who don't have peers who do not have people who are anything like them. And I'm so glad to hear you oh. say that because Mishke is he's an actual unicorn. Oh, my God. He absolutely is. And so I was listening to you guys talk, and he mentioned that he came from a newspapering family, and uh, I wanted to be a newspaper reporter in the worst way. 
So I thought, all right, where am I going to find a place where I can learn to be a newspaper reporter? And at and at that time, UW River Falls uh, had and still has a good journalism program, a, a, a really good journalism program. And I thought, well, it's close enough that I could probably drive to wash my clothes if I needed to do that <laughs> or go get you know, food or something at mom and dad's. But it's far enough away that where they can't find me. So um, I went to River Falls. That's that's where I, I that's where I ended up, and that's where I learned how to uh, fly fish in the Kinnikinnick River, and uh, learn a, a lot of different things about animal science that have uh, stood me in good stead with my career. <laughs> uh, took some animal science courses, and then uh, I switched from newspapers to broadcast journalism at River Falls. Yeah, well, and that that started my career. Same reason that I went to Winona State University is they had a very good radio station, and then I went there yeah. and. KQAL FM, which is still a great radio station. Unfortunately, I was, you know, I went there because I'm like, I'm not taking out big loans. I want to be able to afford to go there. And I even then, back in the mid 80s, I was smart enough to make that decision. But I went there and I had these visions of grandeur in my head that even though I was going to an inexpensive state college, that they, you know, we'd sit around and we'd talk about these life changing ideas and we'd modify the world and everything was going to be amazing. And it was 13th grade and I effing hated it. But I did love, I did love KQAL. You know, you brought up an interesting thing. You wanted to be in a newspaper family, you wanted to be a journalist. This is, this to me is one of the most interesting points of your career because the Venn diagram of where they cross over is fairly significant, but there's journalism and there's broadcasting and not always do the twain meet. And so I wonder over sure. the course of your career, I know that you're committed to journalism. I know that you believe in real news, actual facts, but you're also highly celebrated for both being on television and on radio. Which is the one that motivates you more now, or which is the one that has pulled your life in the direction where you find it today the most? Mm, in terms of radio or TV, or just no, journalism versus I, I, broadcasting? Broadcasting versus journalism. Uh, oh, gosh. You know, probably the journalism part, really. Although I, 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 I really consider myself a broadcaster in that traditional sense, mm -hmm. you know, that community being a communicator, mm -hmm. but the journalism, big J journalism, I guess is what drives me in terms of trying to seek truth and, you know, um, try to, try to help people understand a story, uh, context around an issue, you know? So I, I think the big J journalism drives me, but, but, um, I, in my heart, I'm a broadcaster, you know, in that, in that old school way <laughs> where, where you, we're part information, right? Yep. And and it is and in radio specifically, it's such an intimate thing. You can just reach out and grab someone by their ears. And um that there's that definite that intimacy that is so beautiful in radio. I just love it so very much. and TV's great. I've had a great career on that side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, it's all about your how you look. I mean, let's face it, right? I can't tell you how many calls and letters in emails I get from people about my hair, my oh. makeup, my shoes. Oh. People freak out, especially old women, don't know why. You <laughs> cannot wear open-toed shoes on the air. They freak out and say it's too sexy. 
What does she Two think seconds. you're doing? Oh, my God. So why you know, it's Kath- all about how you look. Why is right? Kathy Wurzer oh, such a, a toe fetishist? <laughs> Just like, oh. no, I mean, we live in a weird world, right? Like where we're, we're, we're caught between this sort of this sort of antiquated past and this sort of who gives a hell future. I can't. That's why I can't imagine what it's like for someone like you who is a a supreme professional B obviously a decent person and when someone's listening to you interview someone on almanac and doing an incredible job of both broadcasting and journalism all they can look at is your open-toed shoes and be like what the hell's wrong with her what in the hell is wrong with her it just we, we live in a very very weird time and you find yourself in the spotlight from a couple different angles kathy Wurzer is our guest and um you're incredible i need to back up to two things and then i want to hear another song from you before we talk about your nonprofit. Um, fly fishing. So I, I, you know, I have gone to the Boundary Waters 25 times in my life. In fact, you wrote. You a, have? Oh. I have yet to go. To the Boundary Waters? You wrote, you wrote a I'm book. So you wrote a book called Tales of the Road Highway 61. How have you not been to the Boundary Waters? Because I stopped right at freaking Grand Marais. I didn't go take a left. I just stopped there. I mean, <laughs> okay. I. Look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to judge you. I mean, in, in, and, and the North Shore is gorgeous. And I know that 61 goes a long way the other direction as well. But the Boundary Waters is, oh, man. We're, I know. We're not going down the path. I, 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 get, I, the last I thing I want to do is shame shape. you. No, 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 no. The last thing I want to do is shame Kathy Worser the first time she shows up because, you know, you said hi to Sean earlier. And, <laughs> and, and you said hi to me and you're willing to be on the show. Once we get to the other side of this global pandemic, the zombie apocalypse with no zombies on the streets. It's so quiet out there. Um, I, I, uh, I, I want to have you come by our studio because it really is quite nice and we will we'll have it fumigated um, and we will we'll make sure it's safe. I want you to come back. So I don't want to shame you. I just, um, that, that neck of the woods, I used to get up there much more than I do now as grandpa's moving on in years, but I love it so much. Um, I just, your book that you wrote is... What was the inspiration for Highway uh, uh, Tales of the Road, Highway 61? Mom and Dad moved from South Minneapolis to a little place called Knife River mm-hmm. on the North Shore. Mm. And so I'd go up there, and um, I'm one of these people who, A, I love to road trip, B, I love history, right? Mm-hmm. And as you're driving anywhere, I don't care where it is, I also really like two-lane roads. And so no matter where you are, my head's always on a swivel because old buildings especially are just called to me because every old building has some kind of a story, right? So I would drive up 61 a lot, a lot. And I would see some of those mom and pop resorts. There's still some, um, you know, Kendall's Fish House and that kind of thing. And I would think to myself, damn, someone should do like a book about this. And I originally thought, a documentary and for TPT. So I thought no one's done it. And so I asked my, my friends at TPT, has anyone done a documentary on 61? No, 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 no. So I thought, Oh, perfect. Perfect. I'll start working on a documentary and dribs and drabs, little bits and pieces. I would kind of shoot some stuff and tuck it away. And somehow the Minnesota historical society press heard about this project at TPT and said, Hey, do you want to do a book? And like an idiot, I said, sure, because I figured how hard could that be? Because I, well, that was ridiculous. And so that's the hardest, that's the hardest thing I've done in my life is write a book. I, can't, I mean, it's just I, so I, much. 
so I, different than I, doing news. I right? can't imagine. Well, I mean, like with doing news, there are things that come naturally to you, and then there are things, even if it's a passion project, like writing a book about something you genuinely care about. Writing oh. is a way, way different animal. Oh my God! Don't even get me started. Yes, it's true. It's 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 a it's it. I write in short bursts of news copy. So my editor at the at MHS Press, when I sent her the first manuscript, said, "Good first effort." She writes, you know, <laughs> good first effort. And I'm like, oh no. And she said, you know, you really write sparingly. You can actually, you know, just kind of embellish and you can really let it let it loose there girl you can let it loose and i thought oh my god it was really hard work but it was really fun because i love as i say i mean 61 i mean dylan had it right right i mean it's a great road it's a great uh ribbon of highway from you know grand porch all the way down to new orleans and there's stories along every mile of that highway, and I just love it. I love that kind of history, what that, I wanna, that, what, that really accessible history. What I want to know is, did Betty's pies make it into the book? No. Okay, so that's good for one reason. My entire life, <laughs> I wanted to go to Betty's pies. And my and I, my wife and I, we were about a year into our marriage, and we, uh, we drive up there, like literally go to Betty's pies. And my wife, you know, puts her fork in the, in the pie and takes a bite. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. This is so tasty. I take a, you know, my fork into my pie. I put it in my mouth and I eat it. And I'm like, something's, uh, something's not right here. But then of course, like an idiot, I take a second bite and I'm like, am I blowing bubbles uh, right now? And my wife's like, no, what's wrong? I said, this tastes like dish soap. So I'd waited my whole life. Yeah, they had accidentally not rinsed the pan or the plate or whatever oh. when they were when they were making my pie, and the the waitress actually went back in the kitchen and took a bite of it. She's like, "There's Ajax or something." <laughs> you, 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 would, you, would literally, you would literally rather be at Baker Square on Ford Parkway at <laughs> for, that point. For another twenty four hours, I was burping up <laughs> bubbles. Oh. From, it was brutal. Sorry. Well, Sorry about that little diversion, no, Kathy. No, no, that's not a diversion. Wow. My other question for you, Kathy, before um, we get to our next song that you've chosen, is there's another little restaurant that I can never remember the name of. I, for about 10, 12, maybe even 15 years in a row, my dad and I would do a springtime trip to the Boundary Waters. Some of his friends, some of my friends, we went every single year. We would portage in for hours and hours, sometimes a full day. We like We would go do the deep excursion multiple portages but on the way out we would always stop at that same restaurant on 61 coming out of uh either the sawbill or uh it, we'd come down there was one that you walked inside where literally every square inch of the interior walls were covered in animal horns do you know ah! the, the restaurant i'm talking about I am totally. Uh, I'm drawing a blank, my friend. I'm so sorry. And, and, that, and that's so fine. That, and so, I, I hate to put you on the spot, but I mean, again, I don't know the name either. But it was one of the uh, like where you're on that two lane highway and you're going along, and the inside is all dark wood except for the white stark animal horns. But they had this, you know. I mean, it's northern Minnesota, right? You're on the North Shore, it so is. it is. It yeah. is this rich 
thick, deep food, and you are you finally had a hot shower after five days at the Outfitters, and now you're eating some real food and using an actual modern flush toilet. And it uh, it's it, it's one of my favorite places that I've ever been. I can't think of the name, and don't worry about it. There's no shame involved. I just I know that that place has to be referenced in your book because the one time I brought my daughter there, she was terrified. It was like we had her in a rending house, like if we had her in a meat packing plant. She looked around the whole time like they're just they're just horns of animals that people shot. Everything's fine. And she wouldn't eat her meal. But I, I remember it mostly because that was my always my exit from the Boundary Waters. Hey, let's do this, Kathy. I would like to. Oh, I have so many questions to ask you. You promise that you will come back on this show once we're on the other side and nobody's infectious, especially Sean. <laughs> well, it's you I'm worried about, but I mean, yeah, oh, I think how about be that? Great, oh. <laughs> it would be great. All right, fine. It'd then we'll do that again. Join you guys. Okay, I want to come I'm back, just, and I, I want to. I love you both. Okay, well, Thank you, I, I want to ask you about fly fishing, and I want to ask you about your nonprofit before we let you go. But first, I want to okay. hear your second song because this is a woman who I came to know through my long career in commercial music radio, and early on, you know, it would be easier. It would be easy to treat her as slight or a pop star, but anybody who spent any time with her music, and I'd say the same thing about Nora Jones, realizes that this is a proper artist. This is, I had a chance to interview this woman a couple times, and she was startling and intelligent and wonderful, and then played, and you sat there with your mouth hanging open. She's incredible. Why did you pick the next song we're going to hear? Oh, Cheryl Crow. I'm so excited that you talked to her. I've always wanted to. Oh, my God. Well, I love Cheryl. Uh, she's a horsewoman, as you know, and uh, has a wonderful ranch in Nashville. And as, as horsewomen, I w- would love to compare notes with her. But um, I love her voice. She's so talented. And I picked Every Day is a Winding Road, because isn't that the truth? <laughs>
Damn, if that isn't true. Cheryl Crow, uh, one, oh. of my, one of my all-time favorites, I love, and I'm so glad, Kathy, that you picked that song because The Brian Oak Show is not about being cool. It's not about trying to go indie. It's about talking to the people that inform our community and therefore inform the nature of our interconnectedness, right? I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that you're a, a great sorceress, although I kind of do actually believe you're a great sorceress. Uh, I'm just saying that, there, you know, we... We, we share all these different aspects, whether it's through radio or television or the Internet or personal communication. It, it, it informs who and what we are. And so when I, when I have guests on this show, I want to know, what do you like? And there's no judgment involved. Tell me why you love it. And that song, despite the outrageous amount of conga, is pretty spectacular. <laughs> I know I love it. I do, and I love her too. And I was just I thinking, I do too. Listening to this, you know, with this with this pandemic, every day is like a, a winding road, oh. like with tons of potholes and you know, no speed limits. It's just crazy, you know. It's oh my not, god! No, every single so, day it changes. Like it changes every oh. single day, and it's uh, it's nuts. So before we, t- I want to, I really, I, I'm you know, we're running up against the clock here pretty shortly, but I really, really want to talk about your nonprofit. But before we do. When is Almanac on for people who don't know what the hell Almanac is? Oh, yeah. It's the longest running uh, public affairs program of its kind in the country. Thank you for 35 years. Wow. And we're on uh, live Friday nights at 7 o'clock on TPT2. And then we replay it a bunch of times during the weekend. So well, what, what's great yeah. right now? What's great right now about that kind of thing is that people used to be like, "F that! I'm going out to the bar on Friday night. I'm going to go have drinks and sing karaoke. Why? Hey, life is a highway, and I want to ride it all night long." And now they're sitting at home on Friday nights, like, "Oh!" And like, but you, here's the deal: the, even these 50 minutes that we've talked so far, roughly, have reinforced the fact that you bring warm and intelligence to Minnesota that is so impossibly valuable that um, so people can check it Friday at seven fresh and live as it unfolds but then it gets replayed a bunch and then every damn morning still because you get up at two in the morning I hope people have respect for that two in the goddamn morning (laughs) well you know uh, as you know morning dries Morning oh. drive is where it's at in our business. It, it totally and is. So it, it to totally hold is. down that shot. It, it, it is, but I mean, like, I remember, like, having to get up at four, and I'd be like, what's happening? Is the house on fire? Is there a killer in the kitchen? <laughs> nope, 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 just my stupid life. And so, but then I would get in the shower, and I'd have a cup of coffee, <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, this is actually the only thing I've ever wanted to do. And so... I I'm, know. I'm glad that you love it. I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, two questions. One, and I want this one to be the brief answer, and I want the question about your nonprofit to be the longer answer. Fly fishing. I have one friend who fly fishes, and he's not like normal people, uh, but he he is so devoted to it, and he loves it so much. You seem like a normal, warm person. When's the first time you ever fly fish, and who did you find out about it from? I found out about it from one of my guy friends at UW River Falls back in the day, and they'd go to the Kinnikinnick River, and I asked to tag along, and they showed me how to do it. I ended up in the bushes and the trees, and at first I thought, screw this, I'm done with this. (laughs) But then as I got a little older, uh, it's a beautiful art form. Mm -hmm. It really is beautiful. Agreed. And it's really fun when you hook into a a lovely uh, brook trout or brown trout, and I just love 
standing in the river with my waders, and there's nothing that's bothering me at that time, and it's just beautiful. As a lifelong um, Boundary Waters enthusiast, I don't know that I want to stand in a river, but I and I don't mind angling. I like fishing just fine. But then there's that troublesome part of cleaning and all of that. And it, it's, we all, we, you don't get to pick what you fall in love with, right? Like you, you just find things that are your spot. We have so much more to talk about, but we have to wrap up the show. Kathy Wurzer, you are even better than I thought you were. And you're amazing. Thank you. And it was just such a great pleasure to talk to both of you. It's so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys do such a good job. Okay. And before we actually say goodbye, I want to talk about your nonprofit because apparently there's an angle of darkness to it. Not that that's what nonprofits are about, <laughs> but you told me this is where you got your nickname. Tell me, please tell me, and you can take all the time you want because really we're not up against any clock. I try to stick to an hour. Some of these shows have got an hour and a half. Will you please tell me, because obviously you have a big heart and a warm smile and are a decent person, tell me about your nonprofit. I am. Thank you. It's called the End in Mind Project. And it's it was based on some of the uh, work I did with a man who was dying of ALS. And he mm. was with me on Morning Edition on NPR News for almost four years. And he didn't really talk about the illness so much as to how you live with something so serious as ALS or cancer or something like that. And listeners loved him. Bruce Kramer was just a wonderful human being. And so before he passed away, he asked me to keep looking for the ripples in our work together. And I didn't know what that meant at all. And uh, one fine day, uh, it, it occurred to me that maybe with um, my uh, um, skills as an interviewer, uh, maybe I should maybe create a show and take it on the road and uh, talk about, we tend to ignore the ine- inevitability of death, right? I mean, we figure um, it's going to come later. Uh, don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden, this kind of sneaks up on you, and everyone's surprised. But, you know, death is just, death is just hiding in plain sight. And it's, it's going to happen, so let's just talk about it. Just be honest about it and talk about it. And that's what End in Mind Project's about. Just talk about the inevitable, plan for it, have your act together, have the proper documents, and then set about living, for God's sakes. And Bruce used to say, death is a lens that brings what's meaningful in life into sharp focus. And so what if you lived your life now with an end-of-life focus and quit screwing around and doing stupid stuff? And it's, it's, it's a whole big thing that we talk about. I mean, yes, it's, it's good to have end-of-life planning, but also just how do, you, how do you want to live your life with the inevitable disease and disability that we're all going to have, right? So it's, just a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nonprofit that's dedicated to holding live events in communities and online tools to get people just talking about what, what – what means the most in your life. And we help people get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that would be loss, death, and dying. That's what we're all about. So it's called End in Mind. End in Mind. End in Mind. Where do yep. people End go to enjoy, support, learn, experience? You know, you can go to endinmindproject.org and hang out with us. We've got a podcast and some online tools we're developing. And it's just about just getting comfortable with the uncomfortable and just talking about stuff that would normally freak you out. Don't be freaked out. It happens. It's going to happen to everybody. And just set about living your life the way you want to and live it 
meaningfully and with inspiration. Totally, That's what we're all about. Totally good advice because I'm not freaked out or crying at all right now. <laughs> Sean, 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 what's the over under on the number of podcasts I've cried on? Seven? I think it's seven, but this is this is number seven right here. Oof. Well, yeah. Vegas is taking prop bets. Um, <laughs> damn. Uh, it's seriously, uh, I want to thank everybody who's ever supported the podcast. For the Patreon members who've been able to stick around, I know some have dropped off because people are losing their jobs. And why would you support something as indulgent and ludicrous as this? Unless, of course, you want something to listen to while you're dying of corona. Sorry, that was too strong. I apologize. <laughs> I just, um, you know, I want to thank everyone who stuck around. I want to thank everybody who has been a sponsor. I also, before we say our final goodbye to Kathy, need to talk to Sean Bernard because Sean Bernard is a realtor in this day and age where we're not supposed to be around each other, but apparently people are still going and, and dropping their pants at other people's homes. They're not dropping their pants, Brian. They're are just, you sure? What's happening, what's, what's pretty amazing is we're. I did a ton of showings this weekend and people are wearing gloves and they're wearing masks and every house except for one had a big thing of Purell as you walked in the door and they're only allowing in one you know one family at a time to go view the place right. but real estate is still happening of course people are cautious they're concerned but even if you just want to do the homework at this point and and see if it makes sense to list your house or to buy give me a call 612-859-2594 again 612-859 2594. Feel free to give me a text as well. A reminder that a portion of every sale that I make, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, uh, I do a portion of that sale goes to uh, uh, the Warming House, which is on 40th and Bryant, which has also been hit really hard uh, by what's going on right now. They're a nonprofit themselves. I also give everybody a one-year membership for two uh, for the entire year to the Warming House. Thank you very much. Sean Bernard is his name. My name is Brian Oak. It's the Brian Oak Show, episode 45. Um, I cannot express my gratitude deeply enough to Kathy Werzer. Kathy, thank you very much. And please, on the far side of this, when we are all allowed to not socially distance, when we're allowed to hang, Sean and I actually have a pretty nice studio here in South Minneapolis, <laughs> and it would be lovely to talk to you face-to-face. Uh, we have our own dedicated studio. We can do this whenever we want. So you say you're a night person. Maybe you call in sick one day, and we have a 2 a.m. throwdown here in the <laughs> Brian Oak Show studio. Dance party. We'll bring all the Cheryl you... Clow and, J- and Johnny Cash. Okay. <laughs> and then bring some clear liquid. I'm a fan of clear liquids. So That's good. I mean, I know that Brian likes brown liquids. Okay, but and I like clear, clear. clear is fine. Okay, look, a little gin, a little tequila, something right, right, like that. Right, right, we can right, make that work. Omg, if, if you're flirting with me right now, it's totally working, Kathy. <laughs> so let's stop now. Let's wrap it up. Um, I can't thank you enough for the time, and I cannot thank you enough for ah, your your sanity and your clarity and your laughter and your humility and your humor and your warmth during. Oof, uncertain times, right? My friend, thank you. And you know what? You're the best. Thank you, and I appreciate uh, what you're doing, and I wish you both the very best. And stay well. Stay well. Stay stay healthy. Thank you, Kathy. Did she just say go make out with a hobo under the bridge? No. Okay, Would I'm sorry. Stop already. <laughs> I got that wrong. Let's get the hell out of here. Thanks for listening to episode 45 of The Brian Oak Show.